Thanks, tenth all time on the uh, number of wins list. Uh, he also ranks fourth all time for the number of ejections. He got kicked out of games uh, quite often, fourth all time. He was fiery, he was confrontational, and he was famous for ordering his pitchers to hit batters. He would say, stick it in his ear, aiming for the head. In 1946, uh, another team, not the one that he was coaching, was known as being uh, gentlemanly and sportsmanlike. And somebody asked him about this other team. It was the New York Giants. And he said, scoffing, he said, nice guys finish last. But Jesus said, blessed or happy or fulfilled are the meek, are the meek. They will finish first. Eventually, they will inherit the earth. So, Leo DeRocher might question Jesus' statement, blessed, happy, fortunate are the meek. I think, if we're honest, we probably questioned it also. We may question it when somebody in your apartment complex parks in your reserved parking spot. They know better. They're not supposed to do that, but they're looking out for number one and... And Jesus says it's happy, it's woohoo, yay, to meekly accept that kind of mild wrongdoing. Hmm. Maybe we question uh, this, this uh, virtue of meekness uh, when, uh, when you're at a job interview. You know, we're coached at job interviews, you know, look good, have it all together, don't let them see you sweat. So what does meekness look like? What is it an, an admission of our own weaknesses? And what's it look like? We question this statement. Happy, fortunate, blessed, stable, inherit the earth. Woo-hoo. Maybe we question it when we are criticized. It really hurts to be criticized. And so our, our instinct is to attack back and we use words like javelins to defend ourselves and strike back. Our minds are not on meekness when we're attacked. Maybe Jesus meant blessed are the rich. Blessed, happy are the healthy. Blessed, fortunate are the beautiful. The popular, they will inherit the earth. Read it again. Blessed are the meek. They shall inherit the earth. This is the second time that I have preached this single verse. The first time was a few years ago. Uh, my church was doing the Beatitudes and Sermon on the Mount. And so when I prepared this, you know, studied that passage, and when I prepared this text, this a number of years ago, I was the chair of the elders in my church, and we were going through controversy. 
There was conflict in our church, and I felt, I don't know if I was, I felt like I was at the epicenter of that controversy, being criticized by this side, criticized by that side. And I kept asking myself, what's meekness look like in my circumstances? It doesn't feel too blessed. And when am I going to inherit the earth? I'm ready for a little down payment on that right now. (laughs) So we wonder about this beatitude. We wonder about this proverbial saying of Jesus. We, at least I, am not too far removed from Leo de Rocher. (laughs) They had trouble with it in Jesus' day also. There was a lot of uh, turmoil and political unrest in, in the, the land there, the land of Israel. You remember that the, the, the Romans had been occupying their land. They had been there almost a hundred years. After a hundred years, you kind of get used to things. Generation after generation had grown up and hadn't known anything except this Roman occupation. And yet it still irritated, it still grated them. If you remember your history lessons, you may remember how the Germans, World War II, occupied uh, the Dutch-speaking, the Dutch people. It was an occupied country for, what, like six or seven years? You may remember from your history in World War II how the Japanese occupied the Philippines. Their presence was always heavy-handed and what does meekness look like? What did it look like in Jesus' day? There weren't a lot of people talking about meekness. There were the, the Pharisees were looking for a miraculous kingdom to come in by way of the Messiah. Their hope was in this miraculous kingdom. You didn't hear a lot of talk about meekness. Messiah is going to come in and with a rod of iron and he's going to straighten things up and kick the Romans up. You didn't hear a lot among uh, the Sadducees. The Sadducees were another religious party. They, they, they didn't talk much about the Messiah. They, their, their idea was a material kingdom. They were in cahoots. They were compromising with Rome. They were trying to share power. They were looking for, you know, that was their scheme for inheriting the earth. They weren't talking about meekness. Then there were the uh, the zealots. They were they were zealous. That's where we get our word. They were they're all fired up. They were they're sort of polit. They were they're sort of terrorists in that day. They would do assassinations. They were trying to look for a military kingdom, but not through the avenue of meekness. Eventually, they staged a revolt against Rome. It was in 70 A.D. And the Romans came in very powerful under the general Titus. And they, he, just, he just wiped them out. He burned Jerusalem. He, wiped, he sacked the temple. He took all the riches out of the temple. If you go to Rome, I've been to Rome, you will see in the forum area Hadrian's Arch. You know, they used to build these great arches. And on the inside of the arch are different panels uh, depicting some of the great, you know, victories and events of Rome. One of them is Titus 
uh, sacking the city of Jerusalem. They're carrying out of the temple of all the treasures like the menorah, you know, the candlestick with the branching candles. So what did meekness look like? Well, the, the zealots weren't interested. The Sadducees weren't interested. The Pharisees weren't interested. And here comes Jesus with his manifesto. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the meek. They will inherit the earth. All right, picture the setting, all right? Picture Jesus teaching this outdoors to the crowd. He's in Galilee. You and I hear that, it doesn't really catch on our ears, but it would have caught on the ears of a first century person because Galilee itself was kind of a meek place. See, Galilee's in northern Israel, and southern Israel is called Judah. That's where Jerusalem is. That's where the power was. That was where the pure Judaism, they had the temple there, Jerusalem was there. Those were the real Jews down in the south. Galilee, hey, they're a bunch of... Bunch of country people, uh, half, uh, half pagan worshippers, half Jews. But here Jesus came from Galilee and he chose Galilee to make his manifesto. It's sort of like the setting is, uh, picturing it. The setting itself is a message of meekness, being outside the mainstream. He's up there in Galilee. Today, uh, we think, uh, we, we Bostonians, people in the greater Boston area, we think of ourselves as the epicenter and the great uh, center of education in the world today. And in many ways, that's true. They call Boston the, uh, the Athens of the modern world. But one of your professors from Harvard or one of your professors from MIT or from Boston University, one of your professors might say, oh, don't bother reading that author. Just discount everything she says because after all, she teaches at the University of North Dakota. Galilee, <laughs> whatever, forget it. That's, that's our Lord though. Choosing that kind of setting. He's on a mountain there in Galilee. It's probably a big hill by our standards. He's on this mountain. And it makes us think of Moses receiving the word of God and passing it down on a mountain. But here's a greater Moses reinterpreting, reapplying the Mosaic law. And here's Jesus' manifesto, blessed are the meek, because you will inherit the earth. He's sitting as he teaches. It says that in the Bible. That was the normal posture for teachers in that day. People, the, 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 the students, the learners would sit at the feet, maybe on the ground or on a lower uh, bench or something. And he's sitting, maybe he's on a rock or something, I don't know. He's sitting there, his disciples around his feet, the crowd leaning in. This is a message for disciples, but the crowd is listening. If you are not a disciple, but you would call yourself part of the crowd, listen in. You're welcome here. It's good for you to hear about Christianity from the founder of Christianity. And here's his manifesto. Happy, fortunate, blessed are the meek. 
Well, what does it mean? It means gentle. Uh, the, the word could be translated mild. In, in other Greek literature, it's used for a soft wind blowing, a, a meek wind blowing. It's warm and it's soothing. It's used for soothing medicine. It means meek, submissive, quiet, under control. It is power under control. Alexander the Great's war horse was a huge animal, trained for war. It loved war. Its nostrils would flare. It smelled battle. It wanted to get into the battle. It had its own kind of body armor. And, and yet this word is used to describe Alexander the Great's war horse. It is powerful, but it's under control. It's Meek, it's under control. This meekness that Jesus is extending is to be exercised toward people, toward each other. Listen to the scripture. I urge you, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. That's a word that was written to the Ephesians, but it's for us, isn't it? <laughs> it's an ancient word. But it's a present modern word, and here's the word of God to Crossbridge. Walk in a manner worthy. And what does that look like? It looks like humble, gentle, patient. You might say meek. The wisdom that comes from above is first of all pure and then peaceable. Gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, sincere. We extend this meekness, we, we behave meekly toward each other. There's a, there's a horizontal aspect, right? To our teachers, our parents, one another, our peers, our subordinates, to our, we're meek with one another. That's wisdom from God. It's Jesus' word. Remind them, remind the people of your church, Titus, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, avoid quarreling, be gentle, perfect courtesy, toward all people. This meekness is on a horizontal level with each other. Alright, how about a quiz, true-false quiz, to help us assess our meekness, our meekness quotient. Alright, number one, true or false. Um, I listen first rather than speak first. Generally in life, I mean, I know, I know there's exceptions, but generally my pattern is to listen 
before I blah, blah. <laughs> True or false? Number two, when I'm flying on an airplane, I get upset when the person next to me takes the armrest and won't share it. True for me. <laughs> Number three, when I wrong someone, I apologize. Number four, I wear a mask to keep people from knowing the real me. I can't let them see my brokenness. This meekness is to be extended in our relationships with one another. It's also to be extended toward God, maybe primarily toward God. There's a vertical aspect, right, to our meekness. We acknowledge, we admit, we, in a sense, we embrace our poverty before God. We know that our standing with God, everything, all the good things come from grace, not from our own, you know, merits and our own goodness and look at me and no, we're, we're humble, humble before God. The Bible describes our spiritual condition as being lost. We are strangers. We are estranged from Him. We are guilty. We are spiritually dead. It even goes as far as to say we are the enemies. How do you like that? We embrace this. We admit it. We, we, we come clean before God. We confess. There is a humility. There is a meekness. God is not the man upstairs and the big grandpa in the sky and you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. It, 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 almost treating God sort of like a peer or something. No, we... He is the potter. We are the clay. And he molds us just however he wants. That's meekness toward God. No wonder that the uh, hymn writer, the hymn writer used another set of metaphors. Some, some of them biblical. But here's one of the verses from Rock of Ages. Remember that hymn? Rock of Ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Here's one of the verses. It says, nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Naked, come to thee for dress. Helpless, Look to thee for grace. Foul, I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. There is a meekness in our relationship to God. Well, let's try a quiz. True or false? Meekness toward God. True or false? Number one, I confess my sins to God. Number two, when I am in trials, 
I say with Job, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When in trials. Number three, true or false, I deserve to go to heaven because I'm pretty good. Number four, all my trust for eternal salvation, all my hope of heaven is in Jesus' blood and righteousness, not my own so-called goodness. Meekness, meekness, humility, gentleness toward God. So, our Lord Jesus says, blessed are these kinds of people. Happy are these, fortunate, a state of shalom. Blessed are these kinds of people toward each other, toward God. Humility, meekness. Why blessed? Because, what does the scripture say? Because these people will inherit the earth. Wow. Wow. He's actually quoting, or at least alluding to Psalm 37 there. The meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. And here comes Jesus who stands rock solid on the Old Testament. We call it the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, on the Torah, on the book of Psalms. He comes and stands on that, and yet he kind of extends it and kind of, kind of reapplies it, doesn't he? This passage says the meek will inherit the land, meaning the land of Israel. And here Jesus says the meek will inherit the earth. He's talking about not a present kingdom. Jesus didn't come with that kind of kingdom. But he says, one day, one day, I'm coming with that kind of kingdom. Of the whole earth. And you meek folks, you'll be there with me. You, you will inherit. You will receive your inheritance. You will receive rewards. This is the great doctrine of rewards. A little bit mystery, a little bit of a mystery in my own thinking, and I don't know about your thinking. I'm not sh- quite sure what these rewards look like, but I do know that the Scripture promises them. We will rule with him. We will receive crowns. I assume that's figurative, but it means something. The one who has given up everything in this world will receive tenfold, a hundredfold more in the age to come. You will inherit the earth. Come into the fullness. And so Jesus says, you're blessed, you're happy, you're fortunate. But you've got to live by faith because you're not going to get it at least fully. You're not going to get this kingdom right now, but you're going to get it one day. Walk by faith. That's how I walk, Jesus says. He didn't get the whole ball of wax. He didn't get the kingdom, you know. But he, he obeyed God and walked meekly anyway, didn't he? Can you go back one slide? I think I clicked a little too quickly and now it's not going backwards. Thank you. Alright, here's the example of Jesus who walked by faith in meekness. Here it is. He left you an example. 
so that you might follow in his steps. And here it is. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. And so our Lord Jesus models for us this walking by faith, this meekness, not reviling, not getting back at people, even when, you know, it was unjust. It was unjust. But he might have kept saying to himself, blessed are the meek because they will eventually inherit the earth. I don't think it's going to happen right now, but even though now we can get a foretaste that one day I walk by faith, one day rewards, ruling, blessing, shalom, inheritance. See, that's our Lord Jesus. He left his kingdom so we could inherit a kingdom. The old hymn says he came out of the ivory palaces into a world of woe. He laid aside his rights. He did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. Mine, 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 mine. Get your hands off. This is me. He laid it all aside. He took upon himself the form of a slave. He became subject to death, even death on a cross. He was meek, like a lamb, before its shearers is dumb, quiet. So he opened not his mouth. The American... Mythology and story may be rags to riches. Jesus' story is riches to rags. For us, we are amazed, humbled, and thankful. So Jesus was meek. He was gentle. There was power under control. And his disciples walk in his steps. And thus, we will inherit the earth. All right, that is the teaching for the day. Blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth. I want to pause here at the end of this message now for a moment of silence while you apply this to yourself. Do you have one person, one meeting, one appointment, one project, one interaction, one thing coming up? In the next few days, it's going to call for some meekness. Would you bow your head and contemplate and pray and ask God, help me to be meek in that situation. Our Heavenly Father, help us to be meek like Jesus.
In his name we pray. Amen.